0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to this episode of the PD Smash Podcast. Today we have a great one for you. We're going to open up the show talking about Jokic and Steph Curry. After that, we're going to go and cover the Bears debacle on Monday Night Football. We're going to talk about Josh Allen beating Josh Allen. We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, and we're going to round out the show talking some Odell. Thank you so much, Smash fans, for tuning into this episode. We have an absolute banger for you here. I'm still in a temporary setup next week. I should have everything set away and have my setup totally done, so that way we'll have the best audio, visual quality, and we'll be able to start... This trend with all of the presets needed for the best podcast possible. But without further ado, let's get into it. With first off talking about the Jokic-Markeith Morris incident. And honestly, I have no problem for what Jokic did to Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris 100% deserved it. Now, did Jokic still deserve to get a game suspension? most likely. However, I don't really care that he got suspended. What I do care about, however, is the fact that Markeith Morris did not get suspended because what Markeith did was equally as bad. There is no reason you should be doing what Markeith was doing in the last two minutes of a game that is completely and utterly over. There was no chance you were coming back. You didn't even really go for the ball. You just fouled someone for the sake of fouling them. There was no reason for what Markeith Morris did. There's a difference between being a hustle player, being a gritty player, and just being a dirty player. And that's what Markeith Morris was right there. He was just being a dirty player, and Nicole Jokic was sick of it. People have been, for the last couple years, just basically trying to get under Jokic's skin because he won't retaliate. Play in physical because he won't retaliate. And because of that, it has really made it so this game has become hard for Nikola Jokic to play in. And if we're being completely honest here, Nikola Jokic is the MVP of the league. There's no reason the refs should have let that slide. However, with all of that said, Jokic felt as if he needed to retaliate and no one on that team Helped him out so he retaliated on his own. And I am completely and utterly fine with that. Next up, what we have is the Steph Curry and Warriors 9-1 start. And I just want to touch on this briefly because I think it's really important to note how good Steph Curry has been. But how good the Warriors have been over these 10 game stretch. If this holds up, which I doubt it will... They would only lose nine games, which would give them tied for the best record in NBA history. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think they'll probably finish somewhere between 55 and 60 wins is probably where I think it's going to end. However, this does show this team is legit. It shows why this team should be the second best team in the West in terms of favorites and in terms of popular opinion. They have two key parts of their team that have not come back yet and they are nine and one. They are playing great basketball and Steph is balling out. He is the MVP of the league right now and it is ridiculous. I saw this stat the other day that said Steph Curry leads NBA history with the most nine most Three-pointers made over nine in NBA history. So, like, separate games. So, like, separate games with nine or more few three-point attempts. I believe his was 34, and the next closest was nine. That's ridiculous. That is, like, uncharacteristically ridiculous and shows how good Steph Curry is and how good he can continue to be. However, we will see a dip in Steph Curry's not dominance, but in the team success with Steph Curry, I think I think they will end up being around a 61 team. And that's still great, but that's not the 73-win pace they are currently on. So I would just say don't be surprised if they end up dropping a few more games. Maybe have a two-game skid here or there. Because you don't stay this hot in the NBA. With the amount of talent they have on the roster. However, I do believe they will be like a 60 game win team. And that is more than enough for Steph Curry to win the MVP. Moving on, we have the Bears and the Steelers game over this weekend. Which was an absolute and utter debacle. The Bears got just fleeced out of this one. There's no other way to put it. There were multiple plays where it was like, this should not have happened. That was not a penalty. There's no way that they call this on one team. They call this on the Bears, but then they don't call it on the Steelers. I believe there is a play in the game that I watched where Justin Fields got absolutely destroyed. Like, I mean, absolutely destroyed. And they didn't call a flag, which, fair enough, if that's how you're going to officiate a game, that's how you're going to officiate a game. And then later on, this, my guy, gets a sack in a late game situation to basically what would have ended up sealing the victory for them because they would have gone down and scored. And then it would have worked out to the way that the Bears most likely would have won that game. And he got a taunting penalty for doing his normal celebration. Is it a little over the top? Sure. Does that mean it was taunting? No. Like, especially... I would get it if it was mid game. It's not like this was the second quarter. He got a good sack, drives over, throw the taunting flag because a little over the top. All right, I get that. It's the fourth quarter with three minutes left, and you're telling me you're gonna throw a flag on that? He didn't. That's just ridiculous. A ref should never influence the outcome of the game. They should only ever do justice to what was right and what should have happened on the play. For example, if there's a DPI, you do that because otherwise the receiver would have caught the ball. It restores balance. That call has nothing to do with restoring balance. That just has the referee going on a power trip because he bumps into the player. He bumps into the player. The player does not bump into him, which is ridiculous Just overall, this is a ridiculous show by the NFL, and I think it's just ridiculous what has happened with the NFL over these past few weeks with taunting calls. It's absolutely and utterly just horrible, and it's made the league less enjoyable to watch, which I don't know why they would make the rule in the first place. Because if you're making the rule in the first place, it's to make the game more fun for the viewers, but... The more fun for the viewers is the chippiness, is the taunting, is the celebrations. So I don't understand the rule. However, regardless of that, what NFL fans do love is memes. And that is what happened over this past weekend. I believe it was like six or seven favored teams lost this past week. Which is ridiculous, especially when you consider them that one of those games was the broncos beating the cowboys what was essentially 30 to zero until garbage time and then the freaking and i'm saying this the freaking josh allen led jaguars beating the josh allen led Buffalo Bills, 9-6. to six. And the reason I say Josh Allen led Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen led Jaguars is because Josh Allen on the Bills had a horrible game. And the separate Josh Allen, the se- they are two different people. There are two different Josh Allen in the league. The Josh Allen that plays for the Bills, a quarterback, bad game. Josh Allen for the Jaguars had an amazing game. He had a fumble recovery, an interception, and a sack. All in the same game, he legitimately owned his counterpart and said, I am the better 7th overall pick named Josh Allen. Now, that's probably not true. However, what I do believe happens is that Josh Allen is now officially eliminated from the MVP race, in my opinion. Because... You can't lose to the Jaguars. There are a few teams you can't lose to every year. Otherwise, you're out of the MVP race. Like, the Jets have historically been one. The Lions this year. The Texans. The Miami Dolphins. Those are just like the teams that you could not lose to this year. And the Jaguars were one of them. You can't lose to the Jaguars. Especially 9-6 to six and expect to win MVP. So, I definitely think... That Josh Allen is going to lose his chance at winning an MVP. However, someone I think is gaining traction is Lamar Jackson. And the reason is because Lamar Jackson throwing stats, interception to touchdown ratio, is not great. However, everything else is ridiculous. He is having one he's having either his second best or the best year of his career and his best year of his the second best year or best year of his career was his unanimous mvp season so there is no reason that i don't think he should be in the race that he shouldn't be in the race he definitely should be in the race i have him as my number 2 spot right now i think that <coughs> tom brady is most likely going to win the award because Tom Brady, he's on pace to throw for over 6,000 yards. Derek Carr's another good name, but he lost this week. It wasn't as bad of a loss, but he still lost this week, so that's not great. Matthew Stafford lost pretty embarrassingly to the Titans without Derek Henry. And yeah, just overall, Lamar definitely has a case for MVP this year. I think that He should definitely finish second as of now. And overall, just great performances from Lamar. Keep Lamar being Lamar. And now the Ravens have kind of flipped the script where they're not really that good from ahead, but they're very good from behind. So let's see if they can recapture being dominant from ahead because if they're able to do that, then I think this team is a top three Super Bowl favorite. I have them in my top four right now, I believe. And it's because even when they play really bad, they're still able to get wins against quality opponents. Or be close against quality opponents. Like the Ravens did not play well against the Raiders. They played alright, but they did not play well and they were still able to stay toe-to-toe. They did not play well against... They played like trash against the Detroit Lions and they were still able to beat the Detroit Lions. They played like trash... Against the Minnesota Vikings. They were still able to beat the Minnesota Vikings. This happened a few times. They were crashed against a pretty hot uh, Colts team. And they still came back and won. Because that's just what this team does now apparently. So they're able to like get off to those fast starts. Like they were in the past couple years. Then this team is definitely one of the top two favorites in the AFC and in the entire league to win the Super Bowl. Now, I want to round out the show. Actually, before I round out the show, I want to talk a little bit about the Cardinals and how the Cardinals showed why they are a legit Super Bowl contender. I've been a great doubter of the Arizona Cardinals up until this point. I've really thought that the Arizona Cardinals were pretenders. I thought they were fake good. I thought they were gonna be a good regular season team and then get beat in the playoffs. However This past week showed me something different because it showed me their depth and it showed me that Cliff Kingsbury is not a terrible coach. He's not a great coach, but he's not terrible. They went in against a divisional opponent that is very good in terms of being an upsetter and who was playing for their season, essentially. They just went there and dominated them from start to finish, even if it doesn't... Feel It didn't look like it necessarily at times, but on the scoreboard and just in general, if you're just looking at the counting stats, but you could feel it watching that game. And you could really just see how good that team is. And James Conner is ridiculous. He's very good. Colt McCoy is apparently a quality backup, so good for Colt McCoy. Let's go UT, baby, UT! Anyway, just overall, great win for the Cardinals, and they really submitted themselves as one of the top tier contenders in this league moving forward. Now to round out the show, I want to talk about the big news of the week, that is Odell getting waived, getting off the waiver wire, and he is currently in free agency as I'm recording this video with a heavy favorite to the Packers and a heavy favorite to the to the Kansas City Chiefs, and a little bit of a favorite to the Saints, and those seem to be the three best, most likely options for him. However, I don't like any of those three options because in every one of those cases, he one of two problems is going to persist. One, he's going to have a quarterback that's worse than Baker Mayfield, which, not great. Or two, he's going to be the, the third... Favorite target on that team. For Aaron Rodgers, his second favorite target is still going to be Randall Cobb, even if Odell Beckham Jr. is the second receiver. So that's going to hurt too, because he's going to have to be, he's going to have to fourth wheel it in that situation. And then he's going to have to fourth wheel or third wheel, however you want to say it, in Kansas City too, because Tyreek Hill, And Travis Kelsey are both better than Odell at this point in their careers. So both those options are meaning he's going to either get Adam Lazard type catching numbers or he's going to get Nicole Hardman type catching numbers and target numbers. And those are not people you want to be with. However, with the Saints, just Trevor Simeon is not the man. He's not that that dude. He's all right, but he's just not that dude. So... I really don't know what to say there. He just really isn't that dude. However, with that being said, that does not mean that he won't go to one of those teams and still have success. I think wherever he goes, he will be better off than if he was in Cleveland because I just don't think him and Baker really worked together and the chemistry just did not click. So I just don't see them being able to win like that. However... I do believe the best place for Odell to go is the Ravens, hands down. Because you have an MVP candidate in Lamar Jackson. You have a good running game, so defenses can't just triple-team you or double-cover you the entire time. And you would be arguably the best receiver on that team. in a offense that has become more pass-heavy over the course of this year. I'm not saying that it's the greatest situation in the world because ideally you'd want a quarterback that's a little more pass-heavy. However, it is definitely the best situation out there for Odell because I think Lamar is also... Lamar is a gamer. And Lamar will, when all else fails, make the right play and make the correct throw. And Odell is very good at being in the right place at the right time. And he's shown that throughout his career. He's had some problems with drops in recent years. However, he's very good at being open and getting in the right place at the right time. Just the fact that Baker and him have never been on the same page. So the right place for OBJ to be open and for Baker to be able to make the throw, like for Baker to see him and make the throw and OBJ to find the place he should be within the defense where Baker is, is two different things. You saw it time and time again where OBJ would find the open space or get a good route, but Baker Mayfield would just not throw it because he didn't think he could get it there in time. And I think that's not going to happen with Lamar. I think Lamar is going to take more of those chances, but they're not really chances. He's going to take more of those opportunities because he has more confidence in his arm than Baker Mayfield has in his arm. However, with all that being said, I think he's probably going to end up signing with the Packers. I don't know why he would sign with the Packers. That just seems like what he's going to do. I think he's going to go with the best quarterback talent out there, which is either Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. And then it goes down to receiver help. And receiver help is Odell needs to be in Green Bay because he needs he will get more targets than if he was in the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs offense just because there are more targets in there for more people and it's spread out more whereas with Green Bay it's all Devontae uh, I almost said Devontae Smith my apologies Devontae Adams led solely focused receiving game and Odell can help to mitigate that so I think that is where he's going to go however that's not where I think he should go But some place I think we all should go is to go do something else, because this is the end of this episode. Make sure to tune in next week where I give my midseason awards for the NFL, and make sure to tune in next week just to have another great episode where we recap where Odell goes, what happens around the league, and more. If I get an update on Odell's situation before day's end, I will most likely add a segment in here at the end of the video so stay tuned for that however if that does not happen once again smash fans i want to thank you all for tuning in and without further ado cue that outro perfect that's a perfect amount of time see stop